Amen. Father, we just pray that you'd be with us this morning, Lord Jesus. As we dig into your word now, we spent some time speaking above you. Lord, I'm praying that you would just make it clear to us, make it clear to me as I speak. Lord, that the ears be open. Lord, the heart be willing to receive. And Lord, that you would, uh, that we would be glorified, that you would be glorified, Father, as we study the word about who you are in our life today. In Jesus' name. Amen. We've been speaking the last few weeks about identity and we've been speaking about basically the, the identity of our church and the fact that we're looking at changing our name of our church. And, uh, and we believe that's a good thing. We believe the Lord is in that. And, and we're changing our church to, to be called Center Point Assembly uh, for the reason that we keep Christ at the center point of our life. And uh, the last few weeks have we've talked in that about great detail. Today I want to continue to talk about identity and how important it is that we have a properly identified um, position within the community and also within ourselves. It's so important that we understand who we are and the, uh, then also that the community can understand who we are as well. Um, and it's important that we see ourselves as God sees us. If we, if we are going to be godly, effective people, we need to understand how God sees us. And it's only as God sees us and we see that can we truly be effective and can we, can we really truly move and do the things that he would ask us to do. So to do that, we have to have our internal identity figured out. We have to know who we are because it's our, it's our inter, internal identity, internal identity that ultimately becomes our external identity because what's within me eventually comes out. And I can, um, I can try to keep a facade. I can try to keep a, uh, a relationship or a personality that's not true. I can try to keep that ongoing in my life, but ultimately uh, it's going to come out and we're going to uh, understand that we're going to be seen who we really are. So this morning, I, I wanna, the, the main point I want to make this morning is this, that our identity determines our activity. Our identity determines our activity. And uh, we're going to talk a few points about that. And, and um, so often we get maybe turned around a little bit. We think that our, act, that our actions or our, or our activity determines our identity. But that's not biblical. It's the way the world sees it. It's the way we're measured by what we do is becomes who we are. But biblically speaking, our identity determines our activity. And we're going to talk through that as we go throughout today. Um, as we said, our true identity is really what we are inside. My internal identity becomes my external identity as, I, as my life plays out. As you talk to me long enough, you're going to find out who I really am. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He says, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the, out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. So Jesus sees it very clearly that what's inside ultimately comes out in the form of actions and in the form of words. Talk to a man long enough and you'll figure out who he is because he'll speak it. And then thirdly, everything I do has a reward slash regret factor. Every action I do, I will, either re, I will either be rewarded for my action or I will have a regret for my action. Remember, what we're saying is that identity determines activity. 
identity, who I am, determines what I do. Now, let's talk about a little bit where we get our identity from. Where do you get your identity from? Who are you? What are, and, and we're supposed to figure this out. We're supposed to figure out what we do um, with this identity. What am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to be? Where am I supposed to go? When am I supposed to do it? And in many ways, it kind of sounds like an identity crisis, doesn't it? It sounds like an identity crisis because as I'm trying to figure out where my identity comes from and what I'm supposed to do with it, I've got to figure out, well, what do I, how do I package all this together? This identity thing becomes really a problem. And um, there's a lot of research done on identity. An identity crisis can happen at any time within the life of a person or, as an or, or in an organization. We typically think that identity crises happen when we're young. But that's not necessarily true. I, I, received, or I, wrote, I read a quote from a lady named Tricia Ellis Christensen, and her quote is this. 20, 20th century development psychologist Eric Erickson developed this term, identity crisis, which is used frequently. He used it most mostly to apply to the period of transition in the teenage years when kids begin to define what they will do as adults and what their values are. However, it is now thought that an identity crisis may occur, occur at any time of life, especially in times of great transition. Typically, we've thought of identity crises happening early on in life as a teenager Certainly, there's a lot of things going on in a teenager's body. There's a lot of hormones, a lot of chemistry, a lot of chemicals that are flowing through that blood that hasn't been there before, and all of a sudden, they don't know what to do with it all. <laughs> a lot of stuff happening with a lot of energy in a, young, in a teenager's life as they're reaching, as they're going from teenage, uh, teenagers to uh, through, through, going through the whole puberty process and the whole thing. There's a lot, of, a lot of changes. So certainly, there is an identity crisis happening there. In adult life, though, we also continue to uh, may experience identity crises, especially after a you know, death of a spouse. A lot of traumas in that area. If there's a, a major change in, in health or maybe a job loss or a major change in financial status, either up or down, can create a, a, a crisis in our identity. Retirement comes along, and, and now all of a sudden I'm a, I don't know what to do with my time. I don't know what to do who I am anymore because I've been getting my identity through my job. And, and so those are many of areas that we as adults can experience a crisis in our identity. And in the case of an organization, there also can be an identity crisis. Um, maybe after a business downturn, companies have to change. They have to adjust. Or if uh, maybe there's a change in ownership of a business that they have to adjust to. A church has an identity crisis after a split, after a major change. There's an identity crisis. And so those things have to be thought of and they have to be dealt with for personal issues as well as corporate issues. And, and it's important that we have a identified identity, a set of parameters that we can identify with because, as we said, identity, identity creates um, activity. And so if our identity is kind of skewed or we don't know who we are, then our activities kind of get skewed and don't know who our activities are. And that's why we have so many dysfunctional people, so many dysfunctional families, because our identity is skewed. We don't know who we are. 
And so therefore, our activity kind of goes wacky on us as well. But I'm, I'm here to say this morning that God gives us our identity. God is the one that we're to get our identity from. We're not to get our identity from other things besides God. And, and um, so I, w- I want to, um, I have a little video I want to show you, about a four-minute video that's an excerpt from Mark Driscoll's teaching. And uh, Mark did a really good job in helping us understand how activity, how identity drives activity. So, Larry, if you have that up, let's, uh, let's listen to this the next three or four minutes. Then we'll come back and talk. There is a parable told by Jesus as well as a teaching moment that we'll enjoy from him. And in both of these, he's working from identity to activity. And this is the reverse of how religion and most people in our world work. In our world, including, sadly, in false teaching churches and non-Christian religions, it is predicated on activity establishes identity. So you do something to become someone. In religion, this would be you, you have to give, you have to serve, you have to pray, you have to go to Mecca so that God would find you pleasing in His sight. You have to reincarnate, you have to suffer, you have to go to purgatory so that God would find you pleasing in His sight so that you could be in a loving relationship or at least a forgiving relationship with Him. So activity creates identity. The secular version is you're defined by your appearance, by your job, by your performance, by your status in life. So it's whatever you do or accomplish that determines your identity. In Christianity, it's completely the opposite. Through the grace of God and the work of Jesus and the love of the Father, we receive an identity. And out of that identity, there is activity. Not so that God would love us, but because He already has. Not so that God would accept us, but because in Christ He already does. So who we are determines what we do. It is not that what we do determines who we are. That's that's the miracle of Christianity. And so as God commands us to activity, it is simply the outworking of our identity. He makes us someone so we can do some things. And Jesus begins by telling it in this way. Luke chapter 8, 16 through 18. He says, In the world be a light. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. From the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. This is a parable from the Lord Jesus. And he establishes for the Christian us being in identity as light. So here's the story that Jesus tells in parable form. The world is filled with darkness. Sin, temptation, lies, that it is filled with darkness. It doesn't know God. It doesn't love God. It doesn't seek God. It doesn't savor God. The world is darkness. And Jesus is the light of the world. That's what he says elsewhere. And Jesus is our great God and Savior, and he comes as light into the darkness of the world. And Jesus, where there is sin, he exposes it. That's part of the function of light. Where there is error, he illuminates it as being erroneous. That's part of the function of light, is to 
expose and to illuminate where there is need. And Jesus dies for our sin, rises for our salvation, and he places in the child of God, in the Christian, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the presence of the light and life and love of God. This absolutely, inextricably, eternally alters our identity. The Bible says it elsewhere that old things have passed away, that all things are made new, that we're made a new creation, a new person with a new identity in Christ. I like the, I like the way he says that, don't you? And that is that um, it's not who we are. Who we are determines what we do, not what we do determines who we are. That's typically not the way we think about it. Typically, our identity comes from our past and comes from people. We live in time, and the time is made up of past, present, and future, right? Past, present, future is the three-dimensional time element that we live in as human beings. That's how we're created. And most of the time, our identity is a product of what happened to us yesterday. We're defined by who we are by what we've accomplished, what our education level is, uh, by our career choices, by our family members, by the, by the breaks we've had, either good or bad. You know, uh, we're a product of our past, and so often that's what we get our identity from. How many times have you heard people, when they get an award, you know, got to think about all the people in the past that helped them? Or, or how many times have you heard people blame their current situation on their past. Rather than taking responsibility for it at the present, they, they either want to, uh, they got to blame it on somebody. And, and so our identity is determined most of the time within us as, as humans, as earthly, worldly humans, based upon other influences, like people. Uh, people's opinions of us form our identity. Our financial status and either need or abundance for an organization like a church, sometimes the identity of the church is determined by the size of the congregation. How many people attend? How many members do you have? Maybe it's determined by our political correctness and our, our desire to want to please people rather than maybe read the Word of God and, and thing. There's many other areas that, that help us in our identity, but I think it's so important this morning that we need to understand that the past... Being good or bad has no bearing on your identity. You need to understand that because I think that will liberate some people today. That's like no different than if I'm going to drive a car and I'm driving down the road and I'm going to drive by looking in my rearview mirror. Have you ever done that? Have you ever just been driving down a road and looking in your rearview mirror and seeing how far you can drive? You know, you can see the sidelines. You can see the car where you're at in the road. And, and you can do that for a, a, a pretty good distance until you come up to a curve or until the car ahead of you stops. <laughs> and if, because if you're driving straight down the road, you can kind of see that you're on the road by looking in the past. But you can't see the future. You can't see the curve ahead and you can't see the car stopping ahead of you if your eyes are always on the past. And that's the way our identity is. See, our identity, if we, if we base our identity on the past, then we're only as good as what we were. We're only as good as what we've, what we've been. 
And when the, the things of life come up ahead of us, if we're basing our identity on the past, we're not prepared for the future. And even though we are a product of our past, we live in the present. Our future is the most important aspect of our lives. What is coming tomorrow is more important to me than what happened yesterday. And wise people will look at life that way. People that are, are wise, they will look at life looking to the future as how they are making their present daily choices more importantly, as, uh, more importantly than what the past was. And this is where the issue of reward slash regret comes in. Because when I recognize by looking at my future that everything I do today I will either be rewarded with or I will have regret of. And we'll talk a little bit about that more later. But I think many people in our society today, maybe many people sitting in here today, are trapped by our past. We're trapped in this, in this jail cell called history of who we are, of who our last name is, or what our financial status is, or who my upbringing was, how good it was or how bad it was. Maybe I come from a split family. Maybe I come from um, uh, all kinds of issues in the past. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that that doesn't identify your future. That has nothing to do with who you are. Who you are is established by Christ. Who you are is established by your future. Today, if you're struggling with your past, if you're struggling with who you were because of who you were brought up or how you were brought up, I'm here to say you can be the first of the generation coming that they can rise up and call you blessed because you made a stand for Christ. Because you made a difference. Because you said, I'm not going to let the past dictate me any longer. I'm not going to let the past determine my identity. I'm not going to let the past determine my future. I'm going to say, I'm going to be the man of God in my family from here on out. And I'm going to let the future dictate my identity. That's so important for us this morning because that's the good news. The good news is that the past has no bearing on me if I don't want it to have bearing on me. I have to make a choice on that matter. You know, in some cases, I will be very honest with you, it might take some counseling. In some cases, you might have to go to a professionally trained counsel to help you get through your past. And that's okay. Don't shun that. Don't think it's bad. Go to a Christian counselor. Let them help you deal with your past. But don't let your past be the thing that holds you down for your future because that would be a shame. That would be a mistake. That would be a waste of your life. So do what you have to do to deal with your past so that your future identifies who you are in Christ. Amen? So who really are we then? Who really are we? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. The old has gone. If you're in Christ, if you're forgiven... When Jesus forgives, he forgets. He doesn't hold it against you later. He doesn't bring it up later. When he forgives, he lets you move on to a new life. You're a new creation. We're also called a child of God. And 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 tells us that. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, 
And what we will be has not yet been made known. Again, we're going to the future. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall, be, we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, what's so powerful about this verse is that we are a child of God. Our past does not stop us from being a child of God. We're children. Certainly the love of God, without the love of God, we never could have that future. So then we have to apply the love that God gives us. We have to then apply his forgiveness in our life. And then we have to become a child of God. And we have to ask for forgiveness of Christ. And that's how we become a child of God is our acceptance of Jesus Christ. But our identity, as we've talked about before, our identity determines our activity. Well, here it is stated in verse 3 that our identity in Christ determines our activity in Christ because everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as Christ or just as he is pure. So here, here's, your, here's your challenge this morning. Then Here's what we're doing. Our identity in Christ challenges us to purify ourselves. So we are to move forward. We do have a responsibility in this because we're to do the things based upon who we are. Based upon our identity in Christ, we have some things to do. We continue reading in 1 John chapter 3, verses 7 through 10, and it, it talks to us about this. It calls us, dear children. Now we're being referred to as children, right? Because we're in Christ. We're a child of God. It says, dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Because God's seed remains in him, he cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. And this is how we know who the children of God are and who, the children of, and who are the children of the devil. Anyone who does not, what is, does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. So remember what we said all along, all along here, identity determines activity. Because we're born of God, our identity says our activity will prove that out. Because we are a child of God, our identity says we will not sin. Does that mean I cannot sin? No, it doesn't mean that. I'm not saying that we cannot sin. We are still people. We still struggle with our sin. But when we understand who our identity is, we don't have to sin any longer. That's the key. That's when we have to stand on God's word and say, you know what? I know who I am. I am a child of God. Therefore, sin does not reign in me anymore. I'm not a slave of sin anymore. I am a child of God. Therefore, my identity determines my activity and says that I am not going to sin. I am going to purify myself as Christ is pure. My identity takes over my activities. Another passage that tells us who we are, Romans chapter 8, verses 13 through 16. It says, For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led 
by the Spirit of God are sons of God. There's that word again. We're sons, we're children of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of, of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Do you have an identity crisis going on in your life this morning? You're God's child. If you have Jesus in your life, you are a child of the Most High God. That is a powerful place to be. That is a powerful opinion to have of yourself. That is the proper identity for you to have. Now let's read Romans 8 backwards. And let's prove to ourselves that identity determines activity. All right? Let's read it backwards. Because, it says, because you are sons of God... You are led by the Spirit. Because you are sons of God, you are led by the Spirit. And because you are led by the Spirit, you will put the misdeeds of the body to death. What's so important about that is that me and my own ability, I don't have the power of, by myself to be a good person. Enough to go to heaven. I will not make heaven based upon how good I am. The only way that I will get to heaven, the only way that I will be pleasing to God is if I invite the Holy Spirit to be in me to give me the power to stop doing what I have to stop doing. That's what it says, that if because you are led by the Spirit, you will put the misdeeds of the body to death. And because you put the misdeeds of the body to death, you will live. So either way you write that, either way you read that, it's true. Identity determines activity. When I know who I am in Christ, then my activities will change. If my activities haven't changed when I become a Christian, then I have a problem. And it's not because my activities have to make me a Christian. It's because my activities are proving that I'm a Christian. If I, when I receive Christ, the old man must die. Otherwise, you haven't received Christ. It's an either or. Either the man lives or the man dies. So we have to recognize then that we have to allow that to happen in our life. And then I have to take those activities and I have to then, my life must change when I accept Christ. And then that then proves out who I am. It doesn't make me who I am. It proves out who I am. Now, we've talked about this, but yet I'll tell you right now, there are times when I don't feel like it. I'm a child of God. I am a joint heir with Christ. I, am, I will be seated at the throne. I will be able to have the rights to go into the throne of God when I get to heaven, just like Jesus has the rights, because yeah, I'm a joint heir, I'm a brother of Christ. That should give me inexpressible joy. That should give me inexpressible happiness. I should never have a down day. When I recognize that, I should never have a down day. I should never be depressed. But I'll tell you, folks, there are days that I'm not that feeling that good. And there's probably days that you're not feeling that good. So what do we do with that? What do we, how do we handle that? What do you do with the days you don't feel like a child of the king? Let me ask you a question. Am I the only one that feels that way? Is there anyone else in here that will say, I don't always feel like a child of the king? Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> Thank you for telling me that I'm not the only one. 
So what do I do with that? Well, if I read just a little bit further in Romans chapter 8, verse 17, it says, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So he's continuing to identify who we are. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, why that word sufferings does not fit in that verse. We've just been told that we're children of God. We're heirs of God. We're co-heirs with Christ. Why then do we suffer? See, that is such an overwhelming promise to me that I can be a joint heir with Christ and still suffer. In fact, I must suffer. And suffering brings feelings that don't feel too good. I don't know that anybody has suffered and been joyful in their suffering. Typically, when a person suffers, there comes some bad feelings, right? There comes some times where I'm not sure who I am anymore. I have this identity crisis happening in me because I'm suffering now and I don't know what to do with it. Well, what do we do with that? I'm telling you right now that suffering and feelings have nothing to do with who you are in Christ Jesus. They have nothing to do with your identity. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 tells us this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. Now, what that means is it doesn't mean that I'm predestined. It means that I am chosen. And that when I receive him, when I accept him, his choice to me, he chose me first. He chose me first. Now, when I receive him, I'm choosing him back. And when I choose him back, I am a child of the king no matter what I feel like. He's, I'm pre-adopted. I'm pre-chosen. He knew me before I was ever conceived in my mother's womb. He had a plan for me. He had a place for me to be. He, had, he knew I was going to be in this place right here then. And he's got a plan for my future tomorrow. And that is the identity in Christ that I need to have. It has nothing to do with my failures. Nothing to do with how I feel about myself today. Nothing to do with I don't feel like it. I don't care about my feelings. Even though they're real, I can't discount my feelings. My feelings do not please God, nor do my feelings displease God. Just because I feel good today doesn't mean I'm pleasing God. Because I can feel good in the world. I can feel good when I'm rich, when I have lots of money. If I'm, if, I have, if I'm high on drugs, I can feel really good. But that doesn't mean I'm pleasing God. At the same time, I can feel really bad. I can feel really down in the dumps. That doesn't mean that you're displeasing God either. Understand we have an enemy that wants to steal your identity. Identity theft is a big problem today, isn't it? Credit cards, bank accounts, identity theft is a big problem. Well, identity theft in the spiritual world is a bigger problem. Because the enemy wants to come in and steal your identity in Christ. And he does that through feelings. He does that through your history. He does that through his lies. But God says... In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal and destroy. I have come that they may have life, or that you may have life and have it to the full. 
That's what our identity in Christ gives us. The devil is a roaring lion that wants to seek someone to devour, and he will lie to you, and he will bring all other kinds of influences into you, that he will bring you feelings, and he will bring you all kinds of distractions and, and disruptions in your life to try to steal your identity in Christ. And I'm here to say this morning to, to help you, to help myself, to declare the fact that he has no right to do that. He has no right to come in and take who I am. He has no right to lie to me. He may try, but I need to stand against it in Jesus' name. Now, who are you? You are a conqueror. Romans chapter 8, verses 37 and 39, it says, No, in all these things, here it is, in all these feelings, in all this stuff that's been going on in your life, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are a conqueror. I am a conqueror. And when I stand that way and I recognize then that my actions or my identity determines my activities, I'm a conqueror. And I don't have to let the devil deceive me. I don't have to let the devil destroy me and try to take me down. Now, we've been talking about reward and regret. I want to give you a little, a little example, a little um, timeline, maybe, that will help with this area. So we can understand what it means to have reward, rewards and regrets. This is not a rope to hang me. Or anyone else, even though I've been told that if you give a man a long enough rope, he'll hang himself. I need some help. Grayson, you're a man of helpers. Would you come a minute, please? I'm not going to hang you either. Take that end over there, would you please? Oops, sorry. Didn't mean to make you look silly. Stretch that way as long as far as you can go. All right? All right. That's good. This rope identifies your life. This is the timeline, all right? And imagine that that rope goes that way forever and ever and ever. It never stops. That's your life. That's my life, okay? Eternity, for me, I had a beginning when I was conceived and I was born, but I have no ending. My spiritual life continues on forever and ever and ever, right? Now, identity determines activity, Okay, this is the beginning. Of, this little green area right here, that's 80 years of my life, assuming I live to be 80 years old. Right. Now, what's, what's so amazing about this is what I do in this little time right here impacts all of that. Forever and ever and ever. Forever, what I do right here determines all the way down past Grayson and beyond. So what in the world then, what is worth it in here? What is worth in that little bit right here that would ever want me to have a regret down there. See, what I do in this little green area right here, the things that I do to please God, God says, I'm going to reward you forever and ever and ever. I'm going to give you a crown of, of are you going to have jewels in your crown that you are going to throw at my feet in heaven? Because of what you did in that little green area right there, you will have reward forever and ever and ever. At the same time, you have to look at it in reality. Come on, I'm an engineer. We understand this stuff, good and bad. If I don't do anything that, if I do something that's not pleasing to God right here, I'm going to have regret forever and ever and ever. 
So here's a challenge for us. If, I, if, I, my, if my identity is in Christ, thanks, Grayson. You're a good man. If my identity is in Christ, and if I know that I have this little bit of time in this green area here that's going to impact my life forever and ever and ever, tell me, we're all smart people. We're all smart people in this room. What is worth it? What, what is worth it in this life for me to gain something here and then be done with it? Is that really reality? So, you know, the Bible says if a man gains the world and loses his soul, what does it profit a man? This is a great example, a great illustration of that. If I, if I do everything right here, if I'm the richest man in the world, if I have the most vehicles, the most cars, the biggest boats, the biggest airplanes, all of it, if I, if I capture it all, but if I give up Christ in the meantime, what have I profited? So having that identity in Christ and having that understanding that what we do makes a difference. What you do makes a difference. It doesn't make who you are because your identity is already established. But what you do, though, is it a reward or is it a regret? Think about the things in your life that would be impacted by that. Where do you spend your spare time? How do you spend your spare time? Where do you spend your Sundays, your Wednesdays, your Friday nights? Where do you spend your extra money? See, all these things understand that we are, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says this in verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one, that's me and you, each one, may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, rather good or bad. It cannot be stated any more clear than that. We will be responsible. We will give an account of everything we do, whether good or bad. Risk, reward, regret. Do you want to, what do you want to risk it? How much do you want to risk with that reward or regret? So let me ask you this morning as we're concluding this morning. Jackie, if you'd come, please. Here's the reality of this whole message today, and it's very basic. Our identity determines our activities, and the fact that eternity's rewards and regrets are going to happen are very real. There is nothing here, there is no preacher, there is no person, there is no man that can, that can soften that message. Though we may try to soften the message, though we may try to make you feel good so you can leave today and not feel bad about you cannot have any conviction, I'm not up for condemnation. Believe me, I condemn myself enough. That's, where, that's how the devil then tries to steal my identity, too, through, through condemnation. I'm not into condemnation. I'm not into making you feel like you're a bad person. That's not it. But the Holy Spirit's conviction is very sharp, and it's very pinpointed. If you feel condemned, if you feel like you're a bad person, if you feel that there is no hope for you, that is not God. That is not the Holy Spirit. But if you feel a conviction in your soul about a particular thing you do, a very pointed thing that says, I shouldn't do that, and you know it, that's the Holy Spirit. And that's the Holy Spirit trying to help you to purify yourself. That's what that verse said, that if we're going to be in Christ, then we have to purify ourselves as He is pure. 
That's being Christ-like. If we're going to be an authentic church in this body, in this community called Center Point Assembly, we need to do this as a church too. The church is made up of people. So now people of the church. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit bring that little area of conviction in your life this morning? Are you willing to let Him provide who you are, your identity in Him, and then let Him bring the challenge in your life to purify yourself as He is pure? That's the question this morning. Where do you get your identity? If you're struggling this morning with your past, I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to establish yourself new in Christ. If your past has been holding you back, then this morning I want to pray with you. And I want to ask you to be bold. So this morning, if you're struggling with your past and if you need help, we'd like to pray with you to help you. I really feel the Holy Spirit this morning saying that if you will stand up spiritually and even physically, because I think I'm going to really be bold, I'm going to ask you to come to the front. I'm going to ask you to walk out of your seat. In fact, if we'd all stand this morning, please. If you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you this morning to say, I have some issues. My past is holding me back. I have, some, I have something here that is binding me up, and I'm bound spiritually. The way you become unbound spiritually is to take a stand against the enemy, and you, and you have to do that physically and spiritually. So this morning, if you have anything in your life that you have to deal with, if you have a past issue, if you have a sin issue, if you have maybe you've been a saved person for, for a long time and you're still struggling in some areas, this is not a bad person condemnation. This is saying, I need help. We need to pray. So as we pray, we're going to sing a song, and then I'd like to just invite those that want to pray and want to be freed from the, some past issues and some past bondages maybe, and they just want to reestablish their identity in Christ, we want to pray with you. Father, we just come before you in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, as we take this time now of personal reflection, Lord, we are giving you the opportunity to work in our life. Lord, we're inviting you to come in and to help us. We need your help today. We need your authority today. We need to be set free today, Jesus. We need our past to be our past and our future to be our future. And we need our identity in Christ be established today in our future and who we are. So this morning as we sing this next song, I'm going to ask you one more time, if, if, if you want to pray this morning, we want to pray with you. So just be bold. Come and step up to the front. We just want to pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
You can make me love. 